you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of The Fade Route with DNZ. I am Z, and we got a great show for you. We're talking a lot of football. We're talking hoops. We're talking a little bit of baseball with this uh, foreign substance cheating scandal and Josh Donaldson, like, name-checking Garrett Cole, and hopefully there's going to be a fight in Minnesota tonight, but, uh, you know. Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm just rooting for that kind of mayhem. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit of hockey, too, as the NHL and the entire nation of Canada have come to an agreement. But let's start with a little bit of NBA awards. Came down yesterday that uh, Nikola Jokic, all-world center for the Denver Nuggets, was named MVP. So, congratulations to Nikola. He is one of the few European-born players that have won that award. Himself, Dirk Nowitzki, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he's also the highest, or lowest, I guess, draft pick to ever have won the award, taken 41st overall. So, that's a second-round pick. So that really tells you that you really can find value anywhere if you look hard enough and your scouting department is really good. The funniest part about it is that he wasn't even, it wasn't even on stage. They weren't even on air when the pick was made. It was during a Taco Bell commercial. So hopefully he's living Moss and uh, he gets some free gorditas and chalupas and whatever the hell else Taco Bell sells. Uh, Jokic finished in first, as I said. Ordering up the top five finishers, you're looking at Joel Embiid in second, Steph Curry in third, Giannis Antetokounmpo in fourth, and Chris Paul in fifth. All fine players. I'm going to take a little bit of umbrage with Giannis being above Chris Paul, just for the simple fact that without Chris Paul... The Suns are dead in the water. I mean, they're not even in this scenario right now. They're not the number two seed in the West. They're not even in the play-in tournament. They're not even sniffing the playoffs without Chris Paul. Because we've seen it, right? Ryan McDonough's team, an experiment with Aiton and Booker. It needed the veteran presence. But Jokic is a dominant force for sure, especially in light of the Jamal Murray injury, had to carry his team. You're looking at average of 26, 10, and 8, 
and shot almost 60% from the field. So, yeah, he's a big man. Yeah, he's going to, you know, lower percent shots. But either way, you kind of have to, you know, give the big man his due. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? Yeah, I don't have any problem with them picking Jokic as the MVP. Uh, Definitely uh, carried the team at certain points throughout the year guys like a walking triple double it's it's unbelievable uh the talent and the skill set he has for being such a big guy his ability to pass rebound shoot um you know i think an argument could be made for joel Embiid. um i think an argument could really be made for chris paul like you said i mean this the phoenix suns finished in 10th last year the roster is pretty much the same. All they really did was add Chris Paul, and they, they come out on top in the West. They oust the Lakers in the first round. So, you know, it's hard to argue against Chris Paul. I thought he would have finished a little higher. I know James Harden didn't play enough, but I thought he warranted more votes. I thought he would have ranked a little higher. Um, unfortunately, this re- this award has become just – it's just a media thing now. I mean, even even LeBron James. How is LeBron James? I mean, LeBron James missed a lot of games, but the fact that he's not in contention, at, you know, I just I don't buy into the award anymore. What about John Morant? I mean, John Morant had a fantastic season. You yeah. know, so, I concur. I definitely concur. Uh, James Harden definitely missed a lot of time, and it's one of those things that. Your greatest develop, uh, your greatest ability is always your availability. So James Harden, I mean, this has been the Nets have had this in the bag for a while. So they had the opportunity to kind of nurse players along, and you saw with KD, you saw with Kyrie, all of them took their sweet time nursing some injuries and had the load management scenarios, and it, it makes you wonder that. You know, whether or not it's a kind of situation where that kind of thing, where load management will cost people awards and then hit them in the paycheck. And it makes you wonder that in the future, are guys going to try and lobby to play because there are going to be incentive incentives in their contract? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just like Dame, Dame Lillard, like, I mean. I think they need to maybe clearly state what the award is. Is it the best player this year or the most valuable player to his team? Because those are two different things, right? I mean, oh, you, totally. take, you take Dame Lillard off of the Blazers, and what are the Blazers? I mean, you, you take Chris Paul off the Suns. I know what the Suns are, okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you see, you, if you take James Harden off the Nets, I think they're still, win- they're still winning playoff games. Uh, so I think for me, it's always been, it's the most valuable player, the most valuable player to his team. So Jokic this year, got no problem with it. I uh, just would have liked to see some other people finish a little higher. I agree. Um, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm fine with Steph finishing second. Um, finishing yeah. Third too. I mean, I'm good with that. Joel Embiid, we're going to be talking more about the Sixers in a little bit. Like as far as regular season goes, he did a fine job. So like everybody, everybody who placed in the top five certainly has an argument. Yeah, but uh, you know it definitely. 
it, it's good to see the new blood kind of break through, though. Because like you said in the past, and I've concurred with you, it's one of those awards that LeBron James could win every year. Every year, yeah. Every year. 100%. And, you know, especially give some love to the Midwest. Give some love to the Denver Nuggets. They're not, you know, they're not the sexy team. They're, the expectations aren't as high as the Bucks or the Sixers or the Suns once they got Chris Paul. So, I mean, even the Warriors, but even bef- before Clay Thompson got hurt and once – they started to pick up their play. Like expectations definitely rattled up. So, you know, credit to Jokic doing what he was able to do and really, you know, show his worth as a big man. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Yeah, while the NBA was handing out MVP awards, the, the Atlanta Falcons were losing their MVP. Julio Jones traded to the Titans. Does this make Tennessee a Super Bowl contender? Well, let's first break down the deal. The Titans not only get Julio Jones, they get a sixth-round pick. So basically that, that proverbial PTBN, right, that player to be named later, and in exchange for an all-world number one wideout, the Falcons get a 2022 second-round pick and a 2023 fourth-round pick. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, and I might be wrong. I might be crazy. I might have just imagined that I heard this. It's not Denver. I might have, it might be a fever dream. They were looking for a first, if I remember correctly, and they really backed off and definitely i mean they're they've been trying to move him in secret since march and if if this is the best you can do i don't know i think you could have done better as far as his fit on the team i i hope aj brown liked being the number one last year because now he's officially in Corey davis territory um they brought in josh reynolds they have anthony ferkser so i mean those guys aren't they're they're not moving the needle this is a three-headed monster of Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. And we don't know what this offensive coordinator is because it's not Arthur Smith anymore because, ironically enough, he's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm holding he's like, shit. It's like, it's like when Scott Proctor got traded to the Dodgers and, you know, Joe Torre ended up being the manager. Just like, shit. what the fuck? God damn it. But – it remains to be seen. Uh, we got to see what they're going to game plan, how they're going to scheme this series, this season. Granted, I mean, it's Derrick Henry's got to be the main focus of this team, and they'll go as far as Derrick Henry is going to take them, like it's been in the past. They've just kind of restructured and reorganized the deck chairs, in my opinion. We'll see what kind of chemistry they put together. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it on a couple of fronts. First, the trade, I mean, a two and a four? I mean, that couldn't have been the best offer they got. They must have been afraid. They must have been afraid to trade him in conference because if it's a two and a four, you're the Green Bay Packers and you're going to be going forward with Aaron Rodgers and you want to win now. A two and a four seems pretty cheap for Julio Jones, doesn't it? Uh, just, pretty reasonable. Very reasonable. Just, just spitballing here, uh, just throwing a shot in the dark. You're telling me the Rams didn't try to do give you more because they love giving away shit for free. So, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, when's I the, just. When's the next time they have a first round pick? Yeah, I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> they didn't have the first rounder, but maybe they have a second and a fourth they could throw at you. I... Cardinals? Cardinals didn't have a two and a four? Because that was the place that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was begging him to go. I don't know. Seems the, odd to me. The, the Saints couldn't Saints? pony up a two and a four? Oh, my okay. gosh. you imagine Julio in that offense? Jeez. Jameis would still find a way to throw it to the other team. Uh, I think I think it give I think it definitely gives uh, the Titans an edge in their division, right? Um, yeah. Teams will no longer be able to stack the box against them. That those days are over. So King King Henry is going to have a field day. Uh, they're also not going to be able to double Julio or AJ Brown, right? Because you got to worry about the other guy. So I think the Titans are going to give them a good fight. I I think the Colts are going to give them a good fight for the division lead. I mean, you can forget about the Jaguars and the Texans. <laughs> the no. Texans canceled the rest of their OTAs. They're like, yeah, we've done enough here. <laughs> just, just go home, everybody. I- I've seen enough. Let's just, I'll I'm going to go, I'm going to go throw up now. I'll see you in camp. Fuck. Uh, but the only, the only thing is, you know, King Henry went over for 2k in yards last year, two years ago, 1500. He's taxed, right? You would assume he's very taxed. He's an older back. Um, you know, Julio only played in nine games last year. Can he stay healthy? Yeah, you would think so. It's different. Um, they're definitely going to put points up. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop people, but, you know, you, I can't imagine them winning less than 11, 10 or 11 games. Well, I mean, you clearly have a 1-1A one kind of scenario because you, you still have A.J. Brown in this team. So, you know, it's one of those things that I think Julio doesn't have to be the guy because, granted, I mean, in Atlanta, there is a there was a clear drop off between Julio and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is a very good player, but still, Julio was at a different level. I think now that the roles have reversed, and AJ Brown is going to be a little bit on the higher level because he's a little bit younger. He has less tread on the tire. He hasn't carried a dog shit franchise on his back for ten years. So like, he maybe Julio will defer a little bit. I mean, he already didn't take his number when A.J. Brown offered it to him. So kind of like a, a clean slate, kind of clean break sort of scenario. Um, I don't know if this move puts them on par with the Chiefs. Maybe on that secondary level, kind of with the Ravens and, you know, even with the Chargers, like, you know, on the come. But, I mean, they could make it to the AFC title game. I it's hard for me to say that they did enough to take it over the top, especially with Gee, the- you're, you're really digging shots. You're really digging shots at the Falcons dog shit franchise. I mean, they did get to the Super Bowl. I mean, they did blow a huge lead, but they got to the Super Bowl. They were making the playoffs every year and it wasn't always, I mean, yeah, he was the best receiver on the team, but they, they had other weapons. Like don't, don't, don't don't just shit on the Falcons. They got something going. The only thing, the other thing I'd argue with you is that I actually think Ridley's a better receiver than AJ Brown. I don't know if AJ Brown can carry what Ridley was able to do. I mean, Ridley was unbelievable last year. Uh, I think if you know Ryan Tannehill is going to have his work cut out for him because those boys are going to be open on every play. Mm. So, you know, you're going to have to feed somebody. Uh, I, I and I agree with you on this front of the defense. I don't know if they can necessarily stop people, and I think the coach will have his work cut out for him because there's no reason why you don't win. 
That's true. Their biggest acquisition was Bud Dupree. So I don't necessarily think that is the move that takes you over the top. Um, and just to go over the coordinator, the last time he was a an offensive coordinator was with the Raiders, and this was the year after Derek Carr had his breakout season, and they went backwards. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, we'll see what this guy's made of and what Mike Vrabel can, can do as far as you know, kind of delegating and making sure that these things are kind of lined up. Because, I mean, they went from Arthur Smith, who wasn't terribly creative, but he was productive, to a guy that ultimately got Jack Del Rio fired in in Oakland. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but they can't really sputter out of the gate. They, they just they need to hit the ground running if they really want to be successful in this division that they might snag a wild card. If Carson Wentz is actually able to make the whole season. Otherwise, like you said, they're, they're definitely in the hunt for the division. They could definitely pull off that division win. Uh, it's just, it's that next step that we need to see them take Ryan Tannehill. We've seen him take it from Dolphins Tannehill to Titans Tannehill. Now the rest of the team has to do it too. Yeah. So the Titans coaching staff definitely has their work cut out for them because they're going to have to, a lot is going to be expected from them. A lot was expected from Terry Stotts over the last few years, and he's out in Portland. Fair or foul, Terry Stotts hitting the road. I'm going to say fair from the standpoint that he was with the organization for nine seasons. After a while, your voice gets tuned out as a head coach, like, especially if you've been around the same group of players for an extended period of time. The only exception we've seen with that has been Belichick and Brady, and it took 20 years for Brady to finally you know, have enough of Belichick. And, Screw and you, Bill. Bill. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going home. But, yeah, 402 and 318, 558, winning percentage with team. He missed the playoffs only once in his tenure. So you can't really say that it was, you know, a failure by any means. Um, the thing with him, I don't think Stotts gets another bite at the apple though, because this is his third goal round as a head coach. Cause he was with Milwaukee. He was with Atlanta. And now you know, eight years with Portland, I mean, he might end up being, like, an assistant for a rookie head coach kind of thing, like Chauncey Billups. You know, Chauncey Billups is being kind of – his name has been bandied about with multiple teams. Uh, I don't know if it's with the the Pacers, who just fired Nate Bjorkren as well. So, like, maybe Stotts kind of becomes that veteran coaching, you know, top assistant mentor kind of thing. But – it's successful, but at the same time, they underachieved because with the talent that they had with Lillard and McCollum and Nurkic and, you know, the players that have come through that organization, they should have done better. Yeah, I, I, kinda, I just I don't understand why Portland has such trouble time winning games. Like, let's look, let's look at their, their roster this year. They got Lillard, McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, and Ennis Cantor, Covington, Nurkic. Powell, come on, is, is that 
is that is that not better than what the Toronto Raptors were able to win with a couple of years ago? I mean, yeah, they don't have a Kawhi Leonard, but Dame Lillard's pretty good, and they finished sixth this year, right? Then you go last year, they finished eighth. They got Lillard, McCollum, Carmelo, Hassan Whiteside, Ken Bazemore, Trevor Reza, Nurkic. What happened there? Is it because they're going up against the Warriors? Then three years ago, they finished in third. Lillard, Evan Turner, Nurkic, McCollum, Cantor, Harkless, Seth Curry. Oh, like why? Why aren't you guys able to pull it together and 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 win games? And then if we go even further back, we go all the way to the 2014-2015 season when they finished first in the West. And they had LaMarcus Aldridge on their team. They get busted out. They lose in the Western Conference Finals, man. Like, no, they lost in the first round to the Memphis Grizzlies. 4-1. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? So, it's yeah, I think. It's inexplicable with that level of talent that you just listed off. And you can't say that, oh, it's been, you know, a stagnant group of guys. Because they've been rotating players through. The core has been the same. Of McCollum and Lillard, but they, there's been a rotating uh, a rotating group of glue guys, and you know also Rans. So I don't know. At some point, like maybe it is something. Maybe it's just the core of the. You know, maybe it's just that McCollum and Lillard don't make the players around them as better in the postseason as they need to. The great regular season players but maybe they just can't take the rest of the team to that next level. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very it's very strange to me because they they have good players. They have good attendance. They're in a good market. I mean, is it because you're going you're going up against better teams, but you're not even when you get to the playoffs, you're not even getting to the next round. Like right. you're not even advancing. So, I think it was warranted. I don't know if they're going to do better. Um, already you have Willard coming out and saying he wants Jason Kidd to be his coach. Kidd, Kidd immediately removes his name from the search. I mean, is Dame the problem? Is, is Maybe he's not as big of a star as we think he is. Uh, Kidd just poured Pepsi on the floor and slipped on it himself. He's like, I'm out of here. No, I'm, no, I'm good. I'm good, Dan. <laughs> Did you just say my name? Did you say my name? No, 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 no. no. Did you say Jason Kidd? I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think superstar players don't get told no. I, I, I'm sorry. I, granted, Jason Kidd was a superstar player, and he has experience with that since he got Byron Scott fired. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the cachet is there for Dame Lillard just for the simple fact that he called his shot and was refused. You don't, you don't see LeBron James getting refused. You know, Michael Jordan's not getting refused. Kobe wasn't getting refused. Your your superstar makes demands or makes suggestions or make certain makes certain requests. You're listening to them, and for this kind of public rebuke, that doesn't look that doesn't bode well for him. And as far as trying to like reshuffle the deck and kind of rebuild the organization. Lillard would definitely fetch a pretty penny. He would definitely get some players back for you. But I, I don't know where the fit is. I mean, of course he's linked to the Knicks because everybody's linked to the Knicks. But if I'm the Knicks, I don't necessarily want to break up my core. I got a good thing going. I can just spend free agent money. 
why would I want to break up this group? Like what happened with Gallinari and Chandler and all the players that got sent to Denver for Carmelo. So, you know, I think Lillard is just, he's not the, the level of a LeBron or even a KD, a Steph Curry. He's that notch below. Like he's, you know, he's got the cachet only up to a certain degree. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot to digest there. I mean, I'm, well, first, the first thing I want to talk about is like I, I just I'm not sure what Jason Kidd's angle is, right? Like if he's right now, he's coaching the Lakers. He's a, he's a California kid. He was yeah. he went to Cal. He's from San Francisco, and I get why he probably doesn't want to leave LeBron in the Lakers, right? He probably just wants to stay there. Maybe that's what he wants to do. He wants to ride that out. Maybe take Vogel's job or at least stay until LeBron and AD break up. But there's talks about maybe he wants the Celtics job. I don't think that's a good fit for Jason Kidd. No. That, doesn't, that doesn't seem like that would work out. Um, or maybe he's holding out until the Dallas job becomes available because, you know, he played in Dallas. He won the championship in Dallas. I don't know if Carlisle is going to be leaving. Um Maybe he wants to go to Miami. Maybe he wants to. Maybe he wants to stay out of small markets. He was in a small market with with the Bucks. Maybe he's like, you know, I need the I need the prime time. I need the lights. Uh, I don't but, know because he was also the, he cut his teeth with Brooklyn. So it's like, uh, it's I, New I York though. It's not, it's not the Knicks, but it's New York. Uh, yeah, but it's still, and the, uh, it's it, New York City, it, so it's a big market. So I don't know what the hell he's. I don't know what he wants. And then to address, yeah, and then to address the Dame Lillard thing, I mean, you know, I've always, I've always had this philosophy: if we're not winning with you, we can, we cannot win without you too. So, teams that would probably buy for his services, I don't see, I don't see him coming to the Knicks, but I, I would, I would think the Lakers are, are definitely in the game. I think the Clippers are in the game. If they don't want to trade him on the West, in the West, I, I think. Dallas is also an option for him, but if they don't want to trade him in the West and you send them East, I would, I would think Miami, I would think the 76ers, right? Those are the teams that kind of jump out to me that have the capital. They have the players. They also have the draft picks. Uh, But yeah, I'm of the, I mean, he, he is their guy. People are coming to the games to see him. He is their superstar, but dude, you're losing the first round. Um, I mean, so, you weren't even you weren't on even on an All Star team a couple of years ago. So, would it know. be fair to say he's almost like Allen Iverson? Granted, Allen Iverson did make it to uh, an NBA final with the Sixers, but like, he just seems like that kind of player, just like a hard, like a you know scorer, just gonna get as much as you can out of your ability, and then just never reach that next level. Um, what about the Celtics? You know, we were talking about trying to get out from Kemba Walker's contract. Maybe Brad Stevens would be able to kind of make that enticing to the to the Blazers. Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Blazers, I take Kemba and draft picks. Yeah, I take that. Uh, that that would be nice if he was there with uh, Jalen Brown and uh, and Tatum. Yeah. They could become a formidable three. But you just, you just, but you, you talk, you compared him to Allen Iverson. And it's a good comparison. Allen Iverson also took advantage of having Larry Brown. I mean, that's when his, mm-hmm. that's when his success was, you know, the best. I don't think he did well on when he went to with George Carl nope. in Denver. 
I think they did make the playoffs, but that was a really good team too. Because if I'm if I'm not mistaken, they had Kenyon Martin, and they had Carmelo Anthony and Allen Iverson for a while. But you know, I I like I like Dame Lillard. I think he's a really great. I think he's a great player. I just can't figure out why they can't win games. I just can't. I can't figure I, out. I don't life. know. It's the the whole is not equal to the sum of its parts. It's it's a weird situation. It's been like that for a while. I mean. Go back to Rashid and Damon Stoudemire, like Marcus Camby. Like they never, they never yeah, achieved well, what they should have. Yeah. I mean, Clyde yeah, Drexler but... had to go to Houston to, to get where he needed to go. So I mean, it's just it's something in the water, man. But to go back well, to what poor... you Jason yeah, Kidd, like yeah. Jason Kidd, you mentioned Dallas. Imagine that Jason Kidd mentoring Luka Doncic. Yeah. That would be crazy. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. But speaking of Luka Doncic, he played lights out, and the Clippers still beat the Mavericks in Game 7. And they now draw the Utah Jazz. They have any shot whatsoever? Uh, you know, the way they played, I'd have to say yes. I mean, the way they responded against the Mavs, I mean, tells you everything you need to know about the Clippers. They're 100% capable of going toe-to-toe with the Jazz. The Clippers lost the first two games of the series and then went on to win four of the next five games, three of which were in Dallas. Despite superstar Luka Doncic scoring 46 points in Game 7, the Clippers were able to fight off Fight through it through adversity. I see this series going. I see this game. I see this series going seven games. I can't see how it doesn't. And you know the tougher the team that deserves to move on is going to move on. I mean Kawhi Kawhi Leonard was not going to let them lose that game against the Mavericks. Yeah, he only missed seven shots in total in the whole in the whole game. Meanwhile, playoff P missed sixteen. <laughs> Ugh. He's a volume shooter. He's volume. He'll make it up in volume. Ice man, <laughs> rain dance. <laughs> oh my gosh! But you know what? Playoff P actually scored over twenty points in the in Game Seven, and also in Game One against the Jazz. He was he only he had twenty points. Kawhi Leonard had twenty three. So they definitely they definitely brought it, but. Donovan Mitchell, you know, when you put up 45, like, and you're just going to be, you know, you, you better win. Like, you better win with the cast around you. Like, Rudy Gobert was able to chip in. Bogdanovich was able to chip in. You were able to get Jordan Clarkson had 18 points. You, you're going mean, to – you did what the Mavericks couldn't do. And that was Wait a minute. Fred and Wait, I- 
we're going to go back to playoff P for a minute because, yeah, he had 22 points, 10 of which came from the free throw line, okay? I'm pretty sure that if I let you take 23 shots, you can get me close to 20 points. You might get 15. If I gave you 20 shots in an NBA basketball game, 20, I give you 23 shots. I think you can get, I think you get 10, I think you get 15, 20 points. Well, if that's the case, then I could be the starting point guard for the Sixers. But that's, we're going to talk about him next. But, uh, you know, that playoff, guy. <laughs> but, you know, like, it was about time that Paul George actually did something. Granted, you know, he should, you know, as a professional athlete, professional basketball player, you should be nailing free throws. And, you know, in game one, he was 9 to 10. But, you know. <laughs> He's great when there's nobody guarding him. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, gee. Again, comps to Ben Simmons. We're talk about him next. He also knows how to dish out a city and 10 assists. He really knows how to get it to the guy who could score. <laughs> wait a damn second. Wait, just wait a second. Are we talking about Paul George or Ben Simmons? My goodness. I didn't realize the parallels between the two until you just started putting them together in my brain. But all this, you know, all the jokes aside, the Clippers still only lost by three in game one. So I definitely, I'm with you. This is going to be a knockout, knockdown drag out series. And if Donovan Mitchell is able to have another game like he had in game one, I definitely see the Jazz moving on. But we know that Kawhi Leonard is, you know, he's silent but deadly. He's a fart, you know. He's one of those guys that he's not going to say much. He's going to let us play through the talking. And we've already seen him. We've seen him put the dagger in a team. So I'm not going to count Kawhi Leonard out. But this is going to be the series to watch. Uh, Another series that's going to be really good to watch is the Hawks and the Sixers. Hawks blew a twenty-point lead, but they still beat the Sixers in game in game one by four points. Who should be more worried, you know, going into this series? I gotta say, it's the Sixers. I mean, the Hawks—they're playing a little bit of house money. Not from the sense that oh, they survived the Knicks. I mean, you know, it, the Knicks showed that the they were they peaked too soon. They were a year too early. The Hawks, I don't. I mean, outside of Clint Capella, they don't have a lot of experience. Um, Danilo Gallinari as well. They don't have a lot of playoff experience on this team, and the younger players, they definitely are getting their exposure to it. Whereas, I mean, the Sixers, as always, they're combustible, as always. Like Joel Embiid, I am surprised that he's playing, especially if the if the meniscus tear diagnosis is accurate, that is very surprising to me. But the big story and the reason why the Sixers are in more trouble is the play of Ben Simmons. 35 minutes, two of three, four points, seven assists. If you're only going to take three shots, you better be putting up double-digit assists. And they're not even contesting his shots. They're just like, here, man, we know you're going to miss. Just No. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Everybody, fall back. Fall back. Do it. Do it. Shoot. Shoot. I double-dog dare you. So you can't – it's going to be Embiid and a bunch of guys again. It was like before Ben Simmons got there. 
So I'm worried if I'm a, a Sixer fan. He can't even play defense. He couldn't even stop Trey Young. Trey Young was blowing right by him. I don't know if that was the mindset. Like, oh, let him go. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. Let him go. Toro. Toro. Ole. Ole. Uh, I, I, only six shots. Like, what are you doing? I, I agree with you. I think it's really the 76ers need to be concerned because if Embiid has to miss a game or two because of his knee, you can't rely on this guy to score points. Uh, I just don't, you know, I, I haven't seen Ben Simmons play enough to, to knock him. But it's hard to see what everybody is glamoring over him and how great he is. I don't see his wizardry on the on the basketball court. Uh, he's it's a like point guard. Still that... just remember him from LSU. Like that's when he really had like the bloom was really on the rose for him in college. And I, I think people still see that. But you know, uh, I'm with you. I, I don't see it either. Not and not the see, pro level. He seems like a poor man's Michael Porter Jr. I mean, that's what it looks like, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure Michael Porter Jr. could do everything he's doing. Uh, and Michael Porter Jr. scores more points. Yeah. Guy can't shoot, can't shoot threes, basically dribbles the ball up court and then starts the offense and he disappears. Uh, I, I think I think the Sixers need to get this series over quickly. I think the deeper it goes, six or seven games, they run into a problem because you could lose Embiid for one or two games. Uh, he's clearly the best player on the court. Uh, it's unbelievable how much his game has elevated since he's come into the league. You know, he was hurt the first couple of years. But, man, he's I, I, he was shooting threes last night. He's shooting off of one foot, fadeaways, rebound, dunking the ball, going to the ground. He's all over the place, dropping 40 points. Uh it's it uh it's clear that Ben Simmons can't really pick up the slack, and now I know why Daryl Morey was probably trying to trade him for James Harden because that would have been a steal. Oh yeah, no. When Tobias Harris and Seth Curry are the guys that kind of rally around. Oh, and the immortal Shake Milton. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention Shake Milton. If those are the other guys that are going to rally around Joel Embiid, like that's going to be you know. That is going to be an issue. They definitely need Ben Simmons to step his game up because if you're just going to be, if you're only like I said, if you're only going to take three shots, you better have double digit assists. And I mean, he's great. He's plus he was plus ten in game two. So I mean, okay, that's fine, good. So I mean, it's something to build on. But four points, that's not going to cut it for for right. you're playing thirty five minutes, like thirty five minutes. For four points. Yeah. Another team that could be in trouble are the Bucks. surprisingly. The Nets blew them out without Harden. Can the Nets win it all without James Harden? This team was set up from day one to be in this position. So when they built this team with KD and with Kyrie, this, these were their aspirations. So I'm not saying they've kind of had it in neutral until now because we've definitely seen them struggle and we've seen them have to make the effort. But right, it's hard to envision a scenario where they don't win. It's very difficult for me to do so. They took the corpse of Blake Griffin and took him back to where he's dunking again. 
I want to let that sink in for the listeners out there. Blake Griffin hadn't dunked in years because he was so miserable and depressed about being in Detroit. And we love Detroit. We love the Motor City. But this team, like this is this is the team of it's the team of destiny. So if they can get something from Harden, great. Hamstrings are tricky business. And he only played what he played uh, a Gordon Hayward, right? He only played like forty-five seconds in the first in the first game. Yeah, it was really really quick. It was really quick. So that's the thing. He could probably take this series off, and then you have a healthy rested James Harden for the next round. Like that is something that is intriguing to me. So they can definitely win it without him, just from the simple fact that other players seem to be stepping up and filling the void like Mike James who the hell is Mike James he was playing in Russia I think at one point and now he's just he's here so the cast of characters around the big two as of right now are bringing it so why not yeah I I would even argue to keep him out until the finals because a hamstring injury if he pops it it's it's Mm -hmm. over so I mean, clearly he was out earlier with this problem, and now it's back again. So you know, you don't you don't want to you don't want it to become more serious. Uh, I really thought the Bucks would use their size to their advantage, and they're not. Instead, they're trying to they're trying to outscore the Nets. I mean, you try you trying to outshoot them, shooting threes. This is not working at all. I hope they retool when they get back to Milwaukee. But if they if the Nets beat the Bucks. They'll likely play – they're going to play the Sixers or the Hawks. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to need Harden for the Hawks. But if Embiid is healthy, they're probably going to need Harden for the Sixers for at least a game or two. I'm not sure who's coming – you know, I'm not sure who's coming out of the West. It's hard to speculate right now because all, all those series are just started and they're actually pretty competitive from the jump. Uh, but – I would really contemplate sitting him out because the last thing I need is him to him to pop it, and then and then it's just and it's really going to be an uphill battle for the next couple of weeks. Agreed. And if you look at the stats, like they're getting points, they're scoring points. The the Bucks, big cogs, right? Your Antetokounmpo's, your Middletons, and your Holidays, even Brook Lopez, they're scoring, but. If you look at their plus minuses, they're just getting worked over by this team. And it's they're not even at full they're not even at full strength. DeAndre Jordan didn't even play. So Don't need him. <laughs> no, they don't need him. Exactly. They, they, that's crazy because you know, DeAndre Jordan, his big thing, it's defense and it's rebounding. And I mean, Anto de Kumpo, minus twenty two, Middleton, minus thirty, Drew Holiday, minus twenty seven. Like these are I mean, true holiday. Where's true holiday been, man? I thought, I thought he was a huge pickup for them. And I thought he was really gonna, you know, he was really gonna help put the bucks over the top because what they needed was like a really good point guard. And I love drew holiday. I think he's a top 10 point guard. It's funny. This team hasn't really, it hasn't been the same since Malcolm Brogdon went to the Pacers. So I, I don't know what <laughs> the Malcolm Pacers Brogdon... haven't been the same either. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know what that means exactly, but it's this team is just they're just getting worked over and you gotta 
I'm not sure if Coach Bud is going to be able to make the necessary adjustments to take Chris Middleton's minus 30 and somehow <laughs> turn that around. And you're running yeah. out of time, Coach. If you, if you got anything in that bag of tricks, now would be the time. I'm just saying. Uh, another team running out of the time right now is the Bruins, as the Islanders seem to be taking it to them. They're winning 4-2 right now going into the, the third period. But talk a little hockey. NHL and Canada agree on a travel deal. Is that a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Well, it clears the way for either the Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights to be able to go to Montreal. And you can actually have a series that's semi-competitive because there'll be a true home and a true home. Now, where this may actually give the Montreal Canadiens a little bit of an advantage is that there are going to be enhanced COVID testings, enhanced protocols, and the American teams are going to be put in a de facto bubble. So it's been looser down in the States than in Canada. So I wonder if going back into that kind of tight restriction is actually going to favor Montreal because that's kind of what they've been dealing with most of the year. Um, the talented, the more talented teams should come through, but at the same time, I said that about the Winnipeg series, said about the Toronto series. Right now, Carey Price, Corey Perry, Tyler Toffoli, these are the guys that are carrying the Montreal Canadiens, and it may very well provide a distinct competitive advantage that might, you know, carry on into the cup finals against either my pick, the Islanders, or I think, believe your pick, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But yeah. we'll see. We will definitely see. But it'll be nice. It, one thing we can agree on, whether whether or not, like, we think is going to be a competitive situation, a competitive uh, balance situation. Let's agree that it's great to be able to actually go play a Canadian team in Canada and have a real kind of thing and not have, you know, a bubble like we had last season. Yeah, I, I agree with that, but I, I really, honestly, I don't see the big deal in this. I mean, these are hockey players. They don't care where they play. They're playing for they don't care they don't care where they're gonna be playing for Lord Stanley's Cup. I'm going with no deal on this. If the Canadians had to play out of Tampa, Florida, they would gladly do so and they would still bring their A game. They'd be still working the boards and still play some fantastic hockey. That's just my opinion. Yeah, definitely I mean they have definitely been the surprise of the the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. So we'll see how far they can ride this. I mean could they be on par with the St. Louis Blues? They weren't expected to do anything, and they rode it all the way to a Stanley Cup. So we will see what happens. But they are not getting a cupcake next round. That is for damn sure. You're either getting the Colorado Avalanche or you're getting the Vegas Golden Knights. You are getting – you're going to get somebody's best shot. And then in the finals, if you make it that far, you got the Islanders who are kicking the crap out of the Bruins and are playing such a stout defensive game. And they, you know, they've been playing to a little bit over the edge. And Bruce Cassidy called them out on that, head coach of the Bruins. He called them out on playing a little bit over the line. 
partially to work the rest so he would get more power plays. And it worked in the first period. They actually had two power plays, and they converted on one. Marshan, your boy, he put one in. So, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I mean, you're either going to get the Islanders and the tough defensive-minded team, or you're going to get the Lightning, who are just probably going to blow your doors off because they are that skilled. So, I, it'll be great if Montreal is that story because the last time the Canadian a Canadian team won was the Montreal Canadiens back in 1993. So, you know, it, it would be great for hockey, but we'll see what happens. It, do, it doesn't look likely. Let's just put it that way. You can't help but smile when you see a balloon. The simplest occasion is a party. Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle, New York, offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events. Birthdays, anniversaries, weddings, showers, school and corporate events, store openings, or just because. Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art, creating decorative installations for your special occasions. No event is too big or too small, and their custom personalization service is top notch. Westchester Popstars is a private studio, quickly expanding. In-person consultation is by appointment only. Send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment. No need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester Popstars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. Bullshit or no shit? We're going to debunk this week's most controversial sports topics right now. All right, boys and girls, you know the deal. If we agree with this statement, it is no shit. If we disagree with the statement, it is bullshit. Bullshit or no shit, number one. Major League Baseball's foreign substance crackdown will help out Offensive production. Bullshit. The only thing that's going to help offensive production is getting rid of Rob Manford. <laughs> Play, players are going to find a way to get an edge. Uh, Baseball is full of highly competitive people trying to get it over an edge over their opponent. There's no way to fight it. Uh, I think the best way for Major League Base, I, th- I think it's, you know, you can police it all you want, but whether it's suntan lotion or spider tack or whatever they're going to find a way to cheat and get and get over on their opposition i'm going bullshit as well you know uh just to kind of get everybody up to speed on this major league baseball is starting to crack down on things like bullfrog uh sunscreen rosin kind of placed in a suggestive location like on the bill of your cap or in, on your belt, think bad news bears. Think, uh, you know, when she went to when Tate when Tatum O'Neill went to her cap, think stuff like that. Uh, they're now emboldening and empowering the umpires to make random checks, particularly after a pitcher has left the game. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about pace of play, right? And now we're gonna have eight randomized substance checks per game. That's definitely gonna you know, really speed up the game. Way to go, Rob. Nice job. 
and they're going to impose 10 game suspensions. It looks like for anybody caught now, the only thing that's going to help offensive production is minimizing the shift to some degree. Players just getting better. Like, God forbid, right? You know, you're in a competitive sport. You want to get better. And the third thing is just kind of preaching away from launch angle. Uh, Bill Ripken was talking about this. It's not like now it's infiltrated youth sports to where you have 10 U coaches and you have eight U coaches trying to teach launch angle to kids who aren't strong enough to make this happen and it's not just an uppercut swing but that's what's being taught oh just get it in the air however you can and that kind of philosophy is what drags down baseball to where you're you're emphasizing three true outcomes there's no action and there's no offensive production And the one thing that I think is good about the substance kind of situation is that immediately the two guys that are dealt a blow, Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer. So they've actually been tracking. They tracked recent starts and then stats uh, regarding spin rate after this was put into after this was put in motion and there was a decided drop in spin rate. Now, whether they're correlated, whether there's an actual connection remains to be seen, but Josh Donaldson thinks so to the point where in a pregame interview, he all but said Garrett Cole is doing this. So, you know, Mr. Launch angle versus Mr. Spin rate. I want to see that. I want to see a steel cage match between the two of them. And I don't know who would win to be honest with you. But you want to you want to up the offensive production, teach people to hit the ball. That's it, plain and simple. Bullshit or no shit. Number two, Floyd Mayweather ruined his legacy by fighting Logan Paul. I'm gonna say bullshit. I think he ruined his legacy by not fighting Manny Pacquiao in his prime. Uh, now Floyd Mayweather is uh, just a carnival act. He's a conny. He's a, he's a showman. No matter what he dis- no matter who he decides to fight, people are going to be willing to line up to pay him and watch whatever sh- watch whatever chump he fights get in the ring with him. You know, it's it's not a fight; it's a show. After the match, everyone's laughing, hugging, and kissing because they made so much money, and all these people watched it. There's no ruthlessness. There's no there's no anger. There's no intent there. It's not like Mike Tyson and you know Evander Holyfield or Muhammad Ali or Lennox Lewis, or any of those guys. Again, those are heavyweights, but there's no fire. There, he, he is what he is. That's it. I'm going bullshit as well. Um, it's been a series of spectacles. You had the McGregor fight. You had the Chinese fight with the mixed martial arts kickboxer. You know, you had this. You know what? At this point, Floyd Mayweather is just taking a shit in the middle of the ring and then he's rubbing every fan's nose in it because they spent 50 bucks, right? 50 bucks on this pay-per-view, this freak show with Chad Johnson fighting in the undercard. And what did you get? You got all these rules in place to where there couldn't be a winner. So 
it was just a scenario where, you know, might as well just put up a banner and said, we're not going to do anything because we did, we got your money. That's what we're here for. Same thing with the McGregor fight. I remember it suppose it was going to be a big deal, but you know, they gave a little bit of a show and then ultimately that ended up going, you know, going too long. And it, it definitely felt like the fix was in and it didn't really matter because they got your 80 bucks. And they got their multi-million dollars. At the end of the day, that's what matters. Shit, he even fought the big show at WrestleMania. Shout out to Paul White. Friend but, of the program. Friend of the program. Well, but, you know, at this point, I agree. He's just, he's in it for the money. He's in it just to keep his name out there. And it's, you know, I, I don't like the fact that he, you know, he's rubbing fans knows it. and same thing for logan paul too so like this youtube fighter crap just like if you want to you know show how tough you are go in there with a real fighter under real rules to where you might get hurt and i don't know if you saw this but he actually did legitimately get knocked out it looked like floyd mayweather, floyd mayweather was holding him up just to kind of get his feet under him so they could continue the exhibition so you know put him in there with a real fighter and who knows what's going to happen. And kudos to Jake Paul because his next fight is against Tyron Woodley, who's got punching power. Like, you're not fighting a wrestler this time. This time you're actually going to fight a guy who could put your lights out. Bullshit or no shit. Number three, the USFL will be successful this time. Uh, it's such a loaded question, but I'm going to say no shit on this one. Um the key to the USFL success is going to be to be a spring league. Don't try to compete with the NFL. Play in small arenas and make it gambler-friendly. Not kid-friendly, but gambler-friendly. Be sure to play in states where gambling is legal. Become a farm league for the NFL. Before you can compete with the NFL, you need to be a farm league for them. Okay, You need to play competitive football. You know, I can't have people out there who can't make five and ten yard passes. You got to make sure these quarterbacks are accurate. They can get the ball down the field and they can be an exciting player. Build a European base and build the brand in areas the NFL is not does not exist or it's not deep. Allow for amateurs to join a league, meaning don't require, you know, a year, maybe just require a year of college or so, so you can try to get young talent into the league, somebody that the NFL could watch or other, or other people could watch and then create a system where the top players get the most money that incentivizes things. That's the key to success here. Um, I know they need the TV deal, but you know, maybe you start off where you only have one or two games on TV a week. Uh, I know that TV, you're going to have to suffer for a couple of years before you really make some money. I'm going no shit on this one just from the simple fact that USFL prior to the misguided attempt to go head to head with the NFL, it was established. It was there. You know, you had Reggie White, you had Herschel Walker, you had Steve Young, you had Jim Kelly, you have, there are roots there. There are, are roots there that you can tap into. And I would argue that they're a year too late. 
I would have, if I was the head of the USFL and I had my shit together, I would have tried to do this last year and throw a blank check at Trevor fucking Lawrence. So you, you're going to need star power on the level of a Reggie White or a Herschel Walker or you know, something. You're going to need somebody to choose you before going to the NFL like those guys did. And it can't. There's be definitely a market. There's definitely a market for it. There's definitely a market for it. You could do oh, it. I know. All things football. Like people love football. Like, if you're a football fan, you love football. Like that's you'll watch football. Hell, I mean, you watch the app for what the four games there was actually the four weeks it was uh, available. You watch the XFL. So and this go around and the last go around in the XFL. <laughs> Granted, this time it was a little bit more competitive. So, give these guys a shot. And who knows? You may be sitting on the next Steve Young. You may be sitting on the next Jim Kelly. You just can't go head-to-head with the NFL. You need to, like you said, you need to build that bridge to where you can end up being a funnel league for them. You can be almost a minor league system. That would be ideal for them. Not direct competition. Actually, even best case scenario, like the old A, like the AFL, you know, maybe you, uh, some of the teams merge in, like a St. Louis or a Birmingham or you know other smaller markets that are football crazy that you know could end up growing. So as long as you avoid the pitfalls of the past. In terms of competition, I, content is king, man. They they'll get a deep, they'll get a TV deal. They will get they'll get everything they want, and then they'll just be raking in the dough. Just don't compete with the NFL. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook. Eat how you want to eat. Eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. A-Z, you eat it. Check it out, and let's get cooking. Order up! All right, boys and girls, in honor of the Julio Jones trade, we are going to order up, order up, the... Order up! Wide receiver duos in the NFL from five to one. Who you got, D? Man, this was a tough one. I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was. Uh, so I'm going to start with uh, the new the new team. AJ Brown, Julio Jones, definitely formidable. My number four. If this guy is healthy, I think it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green. I think they're going to make up quite the duo. Number three is going to surprise you. I have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk 
I would love wow. to. Th- I would love those guys to be my two wide receivers. That would be so awesome. I think Brandon Ayuk is so good. He's gonna be like one of the guys I make sure I draft in fantasy this year. He is really, really talented. Number two might surprise you too. It, by the numbers, it's CD, CD Lamb and Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is like one of the, Amari Cooper is like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, numbers wise. Guy, guy just gets catches. Gets yards, scores touchdowns. I think C.D. Lamb is super talented. He's another guy I'm going to go after this year. He he could probably be. He, he reminds me of a uh, Antonio Brown. I think he has Antonio Brown qualities and gifts that we're going to see down the line. And my number one is is the reigning champs. It's Mike Evans, and you could put Chris Godwin in there, or you put in a, uh, Antonio Brown. I mean, they they're just elite. Chris Godwin could be a number one on another team. He doesn't drop a lot of passes. Mike Evans, he misses balls sometimes, but at the end of the day, he comes up with tough catches when he needs to, and he and he he can drive. In the I've seen him in the red zone catch the ball at the ten and run ten yards with two people trying to pull him back. So those are my guys. And a fine list it is. I mean, a couple of big surprises. So I mean. Kudos to you, man. I will definitely, you know, I will give credit where credit is due. I did not expect the Cowboys to be on that list at all. I didn't expect the, you know, Samuel and Ayuk. Uh, wow. But that's pretty, you know, that's bold. That's bold, bold to say the least. And I, I mean, a couple, of, yeah, a couple of runners up for me that almost made my list. I really like DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. But Robbie Anderson, he's just he just doesn't have the talent level that DJ Moore does. I was really tempted to put Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy on my list. I love G- DJ Chark. He's one of my favorite players. Him and Marvin Jones are teaming together this year. And uh, the, the, guy, the the team that got bumped out was Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Uh, Mike Williams, is, he just he doesn't – he's not as good as Keenan Allen. You know, they're not that good of a pair. Mike Williams is definitely the deep threat there. Uh, and a, a surprising one was Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle because I just think they got a lot of talent. It's a lot of talent, uh, but we'll see how we'll see how they do this year. We definitely will see how they're going to do it. And as a rule for my list, I didn't put any of the of the newer groupings together, even Slayton and Galladay. I didn't put any of the guys that just got together this offseason. They're not on my list for the simple pra- the simple fact that we haven't seen them play together yet. So these are established guys, established tandems that are putting up, produ- putting up numbers, producing, and helping their team win now. So for me, number five, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, your reigning champions. Like Your one is my five. I like what they can do. They granted – there was their numbers suffered from the embarrassment of riches that was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they're both very solid pieces. And I think this year they're going to have even greater success. Number four for me, Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley in Buffalo. Like that, this, that's the thing about this kind of category. It's like, it's super deep. You have so many choices that you can, you can do Cole Beasley, this generation's Wes Welker, this generation, you know, he's going over the middle. He's your heart and soul guy. He's getting those dirty yards, scoring occasionally. I think he had three touchdowns this past year. Opens it up for Stefan Diggs to go over the top, and Josh Allen can deliver. It's exactly what Stefan Diggs wanted. 
Number three, and this might surprise you too, I have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen from Minnesota. Both of their numbers, their production was off the chart. It's just a shame that they had Kirk Cousins thrown to them. If they had a better (laughs) quarterback, their results would have even been better. For me, number two, the OGs on this group, on this list, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods for the Rams. You know, steady Eddie, consistent, dynamic. We'll see what they what happens now that they transition from Goff to Stafford, if their numbers will even go to the next level. But as of right now, both of them, when healthy and on the field, not you know, top-notch players. And number one, in terms of production, in terms of star value, in terms of, you know, just dy- dynamism, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett from Seattle. Like, they're complementary players. They just play off each other so well, they each do what the other can't do as well. And you can see by the numbers that they both mutually benefit from being the other guy's handcuff. Well, that's our five to one. What's your five to one? Hit us up on IG at Fade Route Podcast, on Twitter at Fade Route DNZ, or Fade Route Mail at gmail.com. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other premium outlets where podcasts can be heard. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.